Welcome to Just Listen, a celebration of literature from Nashville Public Library. For more stories and poetry, visit our website at library.nashville.org. Please feel free to leave a comment or to make requests or recommendations. And now, for today's selection. Alfred Tennyson, 1st Baron Tennyson, was a British poet. He was the Poet Laureate of Great Britain and Ireland during much of Queen Victoria's reign and remains one of the most popular British poets. Although decried by some critics as overly sentimental, his verse soon proved popular and brought Tennyson to the attention of well-known writers of the day, including Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Tennyson's early poetry, with its medievalism and powerful visual imagery, was a major influence on the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood. A number of phrases from Tennyson's work have become commonplaces of the English language, including nature, red in tooth and claw. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Theirs not to reason why, theirs but to do and die. My strength is as the strength of ten, because my heart is pure. To strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. Knowledge comes, but wisdom lingers, and the old order changeth, yielding place to new. He is the ninth most frequently quoted writer in the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations. Today we examine three of Tennyson's poems, Ulysses, The Lady of Shalott, and Tears, Idle Tears. Having returned from the Trojan War, Ulysses, or Odysseus, declares that there is little point in his staying home by this still hearth with his old wife, doling out rewards and punishments for the unnamed masses who live in his kingdom. Still speaking to himself, he proclaims that he cannot rest from travel, but feels compelled to live to the fullest and swallow every last drop of life. He has enjoyed all his experiences as a sailor who travels the seas, and his spirit yearns constantly for new experiences that will broaden his horizons. He wishes to follow knowledge like a sinking star, and forever grow in wisdom and in learning. Ulysses by Alfred Lord Tennyson We begin. It little profits that an idle king, by this still hearth, among these barren crags, matched with an aged wife, I meet and dole unequal laws unto a savage race that hoard and sleep and feed and know not of me. I cannot rest from travel. I will drink life to the lees. All times I have enjoyed greatly, have suffered greatly, both with those that loved me and alone, on shore, and when through scudding drifts the rainy Hyades vexed the dim sea. I am become a name, for always roaming with a hungry heart much have I seen and known. Cities of men and manners, climates, councils, governments, myself not least, but honored of them all and drunk delight of battle with my peers far on the ringing plains of windy Troy. I am part of all that I have met, yet all experience is an arch wherethrough gleams that untraveled world whose margin fades forever and forever when I move. How dull it is to pause, to make an end, to rust unburnished, not to shine in use, as though to breathe were life. 
Life piled on life were all too little, and of one to me little remains. But every hour is saved from that eternal silence, something more, a bringer of new things. And vile it were for some three sons to store and hoard myself, and this grey spirit yearning in desire to follow knowledge like a sinking star beyond the utmost bound of human thought. This is my son, mine own Telemachus, to whom I leave the scepter and the isle, well loved of me, discerning to fulfill this labor by slow prudence to make mild a rugged people, and through soft degrees subdue them to the useful and the good. Most blameless is he, centered in the sphere of common duties, decent not to fail in offices of tenderness and pay meet adoration to my household gods when I am gone. He works his work, I mine. There lies the port, the vessel puffs her sail. There gloom the dark broad seas. My mariners, souls that have toiled and wrought and thought with me, that ever with a frolic welcome took the thunder and the sunshine and opposed free hearts, free foreheads, you and I are old. Old age hath yet his honor and his toil. Death closes all. But something ere the end, some work of noble note may yet be done, not unbecoming men that strove with gods. The lights begin to twinkle from the rocks. The long day wanes. The slow moon climbs. The deep moans round with many voices. Come, my friends, tis not too late to seek a newer world. Push off, and sitting well in order smite the sounding furrows. For my purpose holds to sail beyond the sunset and the baths of all the western stars until I die. It may be that the gulfs will wash us down. It may be that we shall touch the happy isles and see the great Achilles whom we knew. Though much is taken, much abides, and though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. Tennyson was inspired to write Tears, Idle Tears, upon a visit to Tintern Abbey in Monmouthshire, an abbey that was abandoned in 1536. He said the convent was full for me of its bygone memories, and that the poem was about the passion of the past, the abiding in the transient. William Wordsworth also wrote a poem inspired by this location in 1798, Tintern Abbey, which develops a similar theme. While Tintern Abbey may have prompted the poem, it seems unlikely that its powerful emotion derives only from a generalized feeling for the past. The final stanza in particular strongly suggests Tennyson's unhappy attachment to the lovely Rosa Baring, whose wealthy family lived in Harrington Hall, a short distance from Tennyson's Summersby. Rosa's family evidently disapproved of Rosa's continued relationship with the son of Summersby's alcoholic clergyman, and she ultimately severed the connection. The kisses by hopeless fancy feigned on lips that are for others and the creed de cour, deep as first love and wild with all regret, 
seemed to have little to do with Tintern Abbey and much to do with a personal disappointment in love. Readers tend not to notice the lack of rhyme in the poem because of the richness and variety of the vowel sounds Tennyson employs in it. T.S. Eliot considered Tennyson an unequaled master in handling vowel sounds. See, for example, Tennyson's Ulysses, earlier in today's recording. Tears, Idle Tears by Alfred Lord Tennyson We begin. Tears, idle tears, I know not what they mean. Tears from the depth of some divine despair rise in the heart and gather to the eyes in looking on the happy autumn fields and thinking of the days that are no more. Fresh as the first beam glittering on a sail that brings our friends up from the underworld, sad as the last which reddens over one that sinks with all we love below the verge, so sad, so fresh, the days that are no more. Ah, sad and strange as in dark summer dawns the earliest pipe of half-awakened birds to dying ears, when unto dying eyes the casement slowly grows a glimmering square. So sad, so strange, the days that are no more. Dear as remembered kisses after death, and sweet as those by hopeless fancy feigned on lips that are for others, deep as love, deep as first love, and wild with all regret, O oh, death in life, the days that are no more. Tennyson's early poetry, with its medievalism and powerful visual imagery, was a major influence on the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood. In 1848, Dante Gabriel Rossetti and William Holman Hunt made a list of immortals, artistic heroes whom they admired, especially from literature. The Lady of Shalott was particularly popular with the Brotherhood, which shared Tennyson's interest in Arturiana. Several of the Brotherhood made paintings based on episodes from the poem. John William Waterhouse painted three episodes from the poem. Two aspects in particular of the Lady of Shalott intrigued these artists, the idea of the lady trapped in her tower and the dying girl floating down the river towards Camelot. The Lady of Shalott by Alfred Lord Tennyson We begin. On either side the river lie long fields of barley and of rye that clothe the wold and meet the sky and through the field the road runs by to many-towered Camelot. And up and down the people go, gazing where the lilies blow round an island there below, the island of Shalott. Willows whiten, aspens quiver, little breezes dusk and shiver through the wave that runs forever by the island in the river flowing down to Camelot. Four gray walls and four gray towers overlook a space of flowers, and the silent isle embowers the Lady of Shalott. By the margin, willow-veiled, slide the heavy barges trailed by slow horses, and unhailed the shallop flitteth silken-sailed, skimming down to Camelot. But who hath seen her wave her hand, or at the casement seen her stand? Or is she known in all the land, the Lady of Shalott? 
Only reapers reaping early in among the bearded barley hear a song that echoes cheerly from the river winding clearly down to towered Camelot. And by the moon the reaper weary, piling sheaves in uplands airy, listening whispers, "'Tis the fairy lady of Shalott." There she weaves by night and day a magic web with colors gay. She has heard a whisper say, a curse is on her if she stay to look down to Camelot. She knows not what the curse may be, and so she weaveth steadily, and little other care hath she, the Lady of Shalott. And moving through a mirror clear that hangs before her all the year, shadows of the world appear. There she sees the highway near winding down to Camelot. There the river eddy whirls, and there the surly village churls and the red cloaks of market girls pass onward from Shalott. Sometimes a troop of damsels glad, an abbot on an ambling pad, sometimes a curly shepherd lad or long-haired page in crimson clad goes by to towered Camelot. And sometimes through the mirror blue the knights come riding two and two, she hath no loyal knight and true the Lady of Shalott. But in her web she still delights to weave the mirror's magic sights, for often through the silent nights a funeral, with plumes and lights and music, went to Camelot. Or when the moon was overhead, came two young lovers lately wed. I am half sick of shadows, said the Lady of Shalott. A bowshot from her bower eaves, he rode between the barley sheaves, the sun came dazzling through the leaves, and flamed upon the brazen greaves of bold Sir Lancelot. A red-cross knight forever kneeled to a lady in his shield, that sparkled on the yellow field beside remote Shalott. The jemmy bridle glittered free, like to some branch of stars we see hung in the golden galaxy. The bridle bells rang merrily as he rode down to Camelot. And from his blazoned baldric slung a mighty silver bugle hung, and as he rode his armor rung beside remote Shalott. All in the blue unclouded weather thick jeweled shone the saddle leather, the helmet and the helmet feather burned like one burning flame together as he rode down to Camelot. As often through the purple night below the starry clusters bright, some bearded meteor trailing light moves over still Shalott. His broad clear brow in sunlight glowed, on burnished hooves his war-horse trode, from underneath his helmet flowed his coal-black curls as on he rode, as he rode down to Camelot. From the bank and from the river he flashed into the crystal mirror, Tira Lyra by the river, sang Sir Lancelot. She left the web, she left the loom, she made three paces through the room, she saw the water lily bloom, she saw the helmet and the plume, she looked down to Camelot. Out flew the web and floated wide, the mirror cracked from side to side, the curse has come upon me, cried the Lady of Shalott. In the stormy east wind straining, the pale yellow woods were waning, the broad stream in his banks complaining, heavily the low sky raining over towered Camelot. Down she came and found a boat beneath a willow left afloat, and round about the prow she wrote, 
the Lady of Shalat. And down the river's dim expanse, like some bold seer in a trance, seeing all his own mischance, with a glassy countenance did she look to Camelot. And at the closing of the day, she loosed the chain, and down she lay. The broad stream bore her far away, the Lady of Shalott. Lying, robed in snowy white that loosely flew to left and right, the leaves upon her falling light, through the noises of the night she floated down to Camelot. And as the boat had wound along the willowy hills and fields among, they heard her singing her last song, the Lady of Shalott. Heard a carol mournful, holy, chanted loudly, chanted lowly, till her blood was frozen slowly, and her eyes were darkened wholly, turned to towered Camelot. For ere she reached upon the tide the first house by the waterside, singing in her song she died, the Lady of Shalott. Under tower and balcony, by garden wall and gallery, a gleaming shape she floated by, dead pale between the houses high, silent into Camelot. Out upon the wharfs they came, knight and burgher, lord and dame, and round the prow they read her name, the Lady of Shalott. Who is this, and what is here? And in the lighted palace near died the sound of royal cheer, and they crossed themselves for fear, all the knights at Camelot. But Lancelot mused a little space. He said, She has a lovely face. God in his mercy lend her grace, the Lady of Shalott. Thanks for joining us. Tune in to another session of Just Listen by visiting your Nashville Public Library website at library.nashville.org.